everyone. Welcome back to the online ministry of Grace Baptist Church. If you're new, welcome. We hope you'll feel at home here and connect with us. We're continuing a series right now called Show Me It's Real. Today, Christians are known more for their political stances and the beliefs they defend than the character they possess or the good that they do. This series looks at what true faith looks like and how we can show that it's real. This morning, we're talking about wisdom and how a little knowledge can be dangerous. But first, I'd like to talk with you about chickens. A biologist at Purdue University named William Muir did an interesting experiment. He wanted to study productivity, and he thought that the best way to do that might be with chickens because you can literally count the eggs. First, he took an average flock of chickens and studied their egg production for six generations. Then he created a second group made up of only of the chickens that produced the most eggs. It was a flock of super chickens. And each generation, he chose only the most productive for breeding. After six generations, he compared the productivity of the average chickens and the flock of super chickens. The flock of average chickens actually grew more productive as the experiment went on. The chickens grew fat and healthy and laid lots of eggs. The super chickens didn't fare so well. There were only three hens left at the end of the experiment. The others had been pecked to death by their competitive and high-performing peers. Now, people have tried to apply the results of the super chicken experiment to business teams, even recruitment for professional sports. But I think the applications are broader than that. And they point to some warning signs about the people influencing our lives and where we look for wisdom. We tend to gravitate toward super chicken politicians and super chicken pastors, super chicken church leaders. We follow super chicken influencers, super chicken celebrities, and super chicken peers. We love their success so much, we don't care how selfish and competitive they are. And we're pecking each other to death as a result. Today's passage warns about super chickens and teaches us where to look for wisdom. Turn with me, if you would, to James chapter 3, and I'll read from verses 13 to 18. James 3, 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is the word of God. Now, before we get at some of the answers of this passage, let's start with the questions. I want to probe a little bit into how your search for wisdom is going. How are you choosing who you listen to and where you're looking for answers? That's the question James is asking in verse 13, where he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Religious authorities had begun to persecute the church in Jerusalem. And as Jewish Christians fanned out across the Roman Empire, they gathered in house churches and were vulnerable to a variety of influences. James was concerned about some of the people who were claiming to have the answers and the impact they were having on the thinking of these communities. Today, it's often the loudest and angriest voices who are leading the political discourse. We want people who will fight hard for our rights and our views. And we don't seem to worry too much about how they win 
as long as they win. Online, algorithms favor the people with the most divisive and shocking views and tone. Whether it's YouTube or reality TV, the people who get the most attention are often the most arrogant and insulting. And we're drawn to the drama, so it's hard to look away. You would hope that the church would present an alternative. But we're living in an age where some of today's most influential pastors are wearing Gucci jackets and Yeezy sneakers. Sermons are loud and brash, and that seems to be just the way we like them. And with one scandal after another, church leaders are often better known for their ambition than their self-control. So who are you listening to? Who's influencing you? Where are you going for answers? Maybe some of you would say, Paul, I don't listen to politicians and I don't watch TV pastors. I don't listen to YouTube or reality TV. Maybe you're more influenced by your friends or your parents or even your own gut instincts. Even there, super chicken voices may be dominating your thinking. James gives a test to help evaluate who we listen to. In answer to his question, who is wise and understanding among you? James responds, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Wisdom is weighed by a person's character, not their report card. Wisdom is shown by a person's deeds and especially their humility. The loudest voices in our lives ought to be the gentlest. The biggest influences in our lives should come from the godliest people we know. Wisdom is weighed by a person's works and a person's humility. Now, when James made that statement, humility in particular was seen as a sign of weakness. Greek culture in the first century, like our celebrity culture today, valued success and riches, wit and charisma. But Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Paul required that elders be gentle and not arrogant, not lovers of money. How do the voices in your life measure up to the qualities that the Bible calls for? Are you guided by wise people? Are you becoming a wise person? I think we're asking the right questions now, but we need more detail for our answers. So James lays out the qualities, the origin, and the outcomes of the voices we need to avoid and the ones we need to learn from. Let's start with this warning to beware the loud, self-promoting voices in your world. We need to develop an inner radar for super chicken influencers who may be successful and powerful, but also proud, selfish, and competitive. Beware the loud, self-promoting voices in your world. Now, in verse 14, James says, If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. James himself had witnessed how the jealousy of religious leaders had led to the crucifixion of Jesus, and then how that same jealousy had brought persecution on the early church. Religious leaders had become more concerned with guarding their power than seeking the truth. Now he saw some of those same tendencies beginning to in infiltrate the church. Power grabs and politics were something the early church struggled with. In the church in Corinth, for example, there were competing factions of Christians. People had their favorite leaders and thought Christian leadership was like a popularity contest. It was so bad that when the Apostle Paul was imprisoned, there were actually some teachers who saw it as an opportunity to steal some of his followers. In Philippians 1.15, he describes a problem. He says, The former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to inflict me in my imprisonment. 
Far from getting caught up in their games, Paul said in effect, as long as people are preaching Christ, I'm good. It was never about how big my following was anyway. Now, I don't think there's any of you who'd say, I think jealousy, ambition, and pride are good. But maybe you figure it's not that big of a deal. You may not even notice how desensitized you become to it. Researchers at the University of Michigan Dearborn have tried to quantify this. They've actually analyzed the lyrics of the Billboard Top 100 over a 30-year period. What they found is that there's been a steady increase in self-promotion. Singers brag about their wealth, their partner's appearance, their sexual prowess, and their musical ability. They're more likely to refer to their name and demand respect. Those messages not only reflect a changing culture, but they're influencing it. Are those messages influencing you? Listen to James's warning in verse 15. He says, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. He's saying, if you're getting your answers from proud, selfish people, that's literally the opposite of God's wisdom. It doesn't matter how persuasive they sound, their message is from the serpent. Remember that the first sin in the garden came as Adam and Eve went looking for wisdom without thinking too much about the character of the messenger. Genesis 3.6 says that they sinned when they saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise. Are you looking for answers in the wrong places? Are you careful about the character of the people who are influencing you? Are there loud self-promoting voices in your life having a dangerous impact on you? Paul gives another helpful description of what we've been talking about in Philippians 3.19. He says, Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. It speaks to the greed that's often communicated in what we hear, and the fact that they're celebrating things they should be ashamed of. Where I feel the greatest pull of these voices is in the last phrase, minds set on earthly things. It's so easy to get dragged into seeing my life and my circumstances from a purely physical perspective without God's vantage point, without eternal values, and without heaven's hope. Maybe some of you are still unconvinced. James knew that some of his readers might still be unconvinced as well. And so he spells out the consequences of a steady diet of the world's wisdom. In verse 16, he says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. This is a super chicken experiment, but with humans. Isn't this a division that we see in our world today? The word disorder is used to describe the uprising and divisions that Jesus warned of. It's a word that Paul used when he told the rowdy Corinthians that God wasn't a God of disorder, but of peace. If you're listening to selfish, self-promoting, me-centered voices, you're inviting sin into your life. And maybe you already have. Maybe that's what's dulling your zeal for God and your hunger for his word. Maybe that's what's keeping you from steps of faith and obedience. It's hard to follow a savior who sacrificed his life for the world when you're running with the super chickens. So we've said, beware the loud self-promoting voices in your world. But that's just the negative side of this. We still need answers. We need wisdom. And we need to know where to find it and how we can recognize it. 
That's where James turns next. And we learn that true wisdom promotes purity, humility, and peace. Wisdom isn't just seen by whether it agrees with the Bible, although that's certainly true. It has a certain character to it. It comes with a certain tone and impact. True wisdom promotes purity, humility, and peace. We already saw back in verse 13 that God's wisdom can be seen in the changes it brings in a person's life. You can see it in their character and especially their humility. But in verse 17, James gives a fuller description. He says, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Notice that the list starts with first pure. By highlighting purity at the beginning of the list like this, James is helping us to see that he's not talking about just being nice. God's wisdom isn't just flowers and unicorns. Biblically, the word purity is always in relation to God's word and his commands. True wisdom flows from the will of God and it's rooted in the word of God. But some people want the truth with an attitude. They want the word and they want it angry. They want to see some tables flipped upside down like Jesus did with the money changers. But that's seldom the way. More often than not, Jesus was silent before his accusers. Wisdom is peaceable, gentle, and open to reason. Peaceable is sometimes translated peace-loving. It's not someone who keeps the peace because they're afraid of conflict, but it's someone who pursues peace because that's what Jesus did with us. Instead of keeping the peace, verse 18 talks of making peace. And that's the point. Some of you will recognize gentle from the lists of elder qualifications in 1 Timothy 3.2. A rough, aggressive Christian leader is an oxymoron. Open to reason describes someone who's willing to listen and doesn't always have to be right. They don't compromise God's word, but they know the difference between the scriptures and their own preferences. Some of you may think that maybe we're dwelling on all this a little too much. Maybe you don't think this is that big of a deal. But I, what I suspect that we'll see in our generation is Christians find themselves losing more and more of the culture war. The church will turn to the loudest and angriest fighters they can find. That's what many churches did 100 years ago when liberalism swept North American churches. They held the line theologically, but often lost the battle morally. And I don't want to repeat that mistake. Because the way of Jesus has always been the way of the cross. His calling is still to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. We're not full of truth unless, like him, we're full of grace and truth. And maybe you're honest enough this morning to say, that's not me. Nobody's mistaken me for a dove lately. I tend to choose grace or truth, but struggle to put them together. And what I'm doing doesn't seem to be making me more gentle. Where does this wisdom you're talking about come from? Let me close with three takeaways for you. Three ways God is trying to give you this wisdom. The first comes straight from our text, and it's actually repeated twice. Did you notice it? This wisdom that we've been talking about, the wisdom that makes you humble in a world that's becoming more proud, the wisdom that makes you a peacemaker in a world that's at war, the wisdom that makes you gentle in a world run by super chickens. This wisdom, according to verse 15, comes down from above. 
The wisdom, according to verse 17, is from above. You don't get this outside of a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. If God is just on the periphery of your life, you'll never find this wisdom. And God wants you to know him. He loves you and seeks a relationship with you. The fact that you're here this morning, maybe one, one more knock that he's making at the door of your life. So let him in. Turn to him. Trust in him. If, you, if you've done that, you grow in wisdom through God's word. Proverbs 8.33 says, Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. There are too many Christians today who leave the Bible on the shelf. You've downloaded the app, but you never open it up. You find time for outings, Netflix, YouTube, Instagram, hobbies, extra work, but never the scriptures. And so you keep making unwise decisions. You're like those people Paul warned about with their minds set on earthly things. Don't neglect God's word. Set aside daily time for it. If you're growing in your relationship with God and your time in the scriptures, you're growing in wisdom. But there's one more important ingredient. It's a verse that we memorized together as a family when our kids were young. Proverbs 12.1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. God has put people around you who can see you better than you can see yourself. But nobody wants to offer feedback that people aren't willing to hear. Someone who loves discipline leans in when someone they respect corrects them. Someone who loves discipline looks for negative feedback and seeks to learn from it. And someone who loves discipline doesn't waste their suffering. They seek God for what he might teach them through it. They look to God for what they might learn through it. True wisdom is offered to all who would receive it. Let's seek God together for it in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who is gracious to give wisdom. And we want this. We, we want the, the wisdom that makes us more humble, more gentle, that makes peacemakers of us. We want the, the wisdom that is, first of all, pure, committed to your word, committed to holiness, but full of grace and truth, full of the character of Christ, even as we deal with the challenges and the difficulties that come. So, Father, if there is anybody listening to this who doesn't know you, who hasn't yet come to Jesus for the wisdom that is from above, I pray that you would speak to them now and minister to their hearts, draw them to yourself. Help all of us, Father, to look to your word and not neglect it. And help us to be those who love correction, love discipline, who lean in to, uh, to, to receive the negative feedback that we might, uh, might get, who seek to learn from our, our circumstances and even our suffering. Guide us into this wisdom, Father, and shape us by it. For we ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope this message has helped you to look to know where to find answers and find the kind of wisdom that promotes purity, humility, and peace. If this is a message you think others need to hear, share the link and help spread the word. And as always, 
For more messages of hope, go to gracebc.ca. God bless and see you next time.